0: Hi, this is episode 48 of K. Ray Reads to You. There's a lot of air traffic over my house right now, so I'm sorry about the airplane noise that you might hear. This is Chapter 6 of Half Magic. What Happened to Jane? The dinner with Mr. Smith and the evening that followed were an almost complete success, and the biggest success of the evening, for Mark and Catherine and Martha, was Mr. Smith himself. The four children generally divided all grown-ups into four classes. There were the ones like Miss Bick and Uncle Edwin and Aunt Grace and Mrs. Hudson, who, frankly and cruel as it might be to say it, just weren't good with children at all. There was nothing to do about these, the four children felt, except be as polite as possible and hope they would go away soon. Then there were the ones like Miss Mamie King, who— when they were with the children, always seemed to want to pretend they were children too. This was no doubt kindly meant, but often ended with the four children's feeling embarrassed for them. Somewhat better were the opposite ones who went around treating children as though the children were as grown-up as they were, themselves. This was flattering, but sometimes a strain to live up to. Many of the four children's school-teachers fell into this class." Last and best and rarest of all were the ones who seemed to feel that children were children, and grown-ups were grown-ups and that was that, and yet at the same time there wasn't any reason why they couldn't get along perfectly well and naturally together, and even occasionally communicate, without changing that fact. Mr. Smith turned out to be one of these. He allowed and even urged the four children to choose anything they wanted from the menu at dinner— "'at the same time, frankly advising Mark "'that he thought he would enjoy rare steak and fried onions "'more than he would codfish tongues. "'Jane said she wasn't very hungry, "'and would her mother order something for her, please, "'and no, she didn't think she cared for any dessert, thank you. "'The other three stared at her in disbelief. "'After dinner came the ride home, and that was exciting, "'for everyone did not own a motor-car in those days, "'and the four children were among the ones who didn't. Mr. Smith showed them the way to shift from high into second without stopping, and Mark thought this almost as magical as anything the charm had done for them so far. Jane said she had seen it before. The other three thought this rude of her. When they arrived at home, Mr. Smith proved an adept player of Fantan and I Doubt It, and when card-playing palled, was enthralling in his description of his travels in Darkest Australia. Jane said she was tired and didn't feel like playing games or talking and she guessed she'd go to bed and finish hildegard's harvest instead the other three looked at each other and decided they had better have a word with jane later on but when at last very late they were sent to s- but when at last very late they were sent to bed and stopped to peek into her room she was asleep or pretending to be "'and the next morning they didn't get a chance to ask her what had been the matter, "'because the next morning was Saturday, "'and Saturday mornings in that house were always a thing of frenzy. "'On Saturdays the children's mother came home from work early, "'and Miss Bick stayed only a half-day, "'and those were two good things about Saturday. "'But on Saturdays Miss Bick always seemed bent "'on cramming a whole day's fussing and nagging into one morning— and today the four children were kept so busy polishing silver and cleaning out bureau drawers and dusting and doing errands that they scarcely had time to exchange a word if two of them met by chance in the hall. So it wasn't until along toward lunchtime that one or two, and finally three and four, were able to gather together in Catherine and Martha's room and examine the outlook of the day. "'The outlook of the day naturally hinged on the charm "'and what they were going to do with it next. "'There's one thing bothers me,' Martha was saying to Catherine, "'as Mark and then Jane joined them. "'When I was only half there, where did the other half of me go?' "'Don't,' said Catherine. "'That's one of those questions that give you a headache just to think about, "'like which came first, the chicken or the egg?' "'All the same,' said Mark, sitting down next to them. It might be fun to find out. You mean wish ourselves there? Catherine's eyes were round. Wherever it is? I don't want to, said Martha. It might be just nowhere at all. We might be just nothingness. If we were, we wouldn't know it, Mark pointed out. But that's worse. Then we'd never get back at all, Martha cried, getting excited. I don't want to not know it. I don't want to be just nothingness. If we wish that, I won't come. "'Well, you won't have to, because we aren't going to,' said Jane, speaking for the first time. She walked over to the secret place, and took out the charm. "'It's my turn next, and I don't feel like wishing. I may not make a wish for years and years, if ever.' And, putting the charm in her pocket, she started for the door. "'What's the matter with you?' said Mark, getting up to follow. "'Oh, nothing at all,' said Jane, turning on him. "'Not a thing. Everything's just wonderful. "'Everything's just fine and dandy. "'Everything's just hunky-dory.' "'Well, isn't it?' asked Catherine. "'Everything's just spoiled, that's all,' Jane cried. "'Everything's just utterly and completely ruined, "'all because some people have to tell everything they know.' "'And she glared at Martha. "'What did I do?' said Martha.' "'As if you didn't know,' said Jane. "'Here I thought we were going to have a wonderful, exciting, secret summer full of thrilling adventures, "'and you had to go and tell the whole thing to the first old stranger that came along.' "'You mean Mr. Smith?' said Martha, surprised. "'He's not a stranger any more. He's a friend.' "'Oh, he is, is he?' said Jane. "'That makes it all just lovely, doesn't it? "'And now I suppose we'll have grown-ups butting in "'and telling us what to wish all the time, "'and like as not wanting to borrow the charm "'and wasting its substance on their own devices and desires, "'and it's just all utterly and completely ruined.' "'And she went down the hall and into her own room "'and shut the door. "'The others stared after her, amazed.' "'Doesn't she like Mr. Smith?' said Martha. "'No,' said Mark. "'I don't think she does.' In her room Jane sat on the bed and gave way to gloom. She felt awful inside, the way you always do when you've been perfectly hateful to those you love best, and she didn't even know why she had done it. She didn't know why the mere thought of Mr. Smith upset her so, or if she did know the reason she didn't want to admit it, even to herself.' "'But the thing was that Jane was the only one of the four children "'who really remembered their father. "'Martha was only a baby when their father died, "'and Catherine and even Mark were still very young, "'too young for them to recall very much about him now. "'But Jane remembered him clearly and with a great deal of love, "'and for that reason she couldn't bear the thought of Mr. Smith's "'coming into their lives and getting to know them better and better "'and finally growing to be just like one of the family,' "'and even trying to take the place of a father to them, "'which was what she was perfectly sure Mr. Smith hoped to do. "'So now she sat in her room and thought and thought, "'and felt thoroughly miserable. "'Even the presence of the charm in her pocket was no comfort, "'because while it would serve the others right "'if she made a wish all by herself,' The only wishes she could think of to make were horrible, murderous ones, and she was old enough and nice enough to know that wishing him herself invisible and going and pulling Mr. Smith's beard, or writing him a threatening letter with a pen dipped in blood, wouldn't really be a bit of help, or make her feel a bit better. After a few minutes there was a knock at the door, and Mark and Catherine and Martha trooped in, looking solemn. "'We've been thinking,' Mark said, "'and we thought we ought to hold a council.' "'About Mr. Smith,' said Martha. "'Go away,' said Jane. "'You'd like him, if you really got to know him,' said Mark. "'He was lots of fun last night.' "'Humph!' said Jane. "'He was a big help when I wasn't all there,' said Martha. "'He's sensible about magic, not like most grown-ups at all.' "'Ha!' said Jane. "'So we were thinking,' said Catherine, "'and then trailed off, looking at Mark.' "'Well,' said Jane.' "'You tell her,' said Catherine to Mark. "'We were thinking,' said Mark, "'that maybe before we make another wish "'we ought to go see Mr. Smith "'and sort of ask his advice, just in a general way.' "'What?' said Jane. "'I think we ought to take him along in the wish with us,' said Martha. "'Then he could help us out again if we get in more trouble.' "'The way we always seem to,' said Catherine. "'Then you could really get to know him,' said Mark.' "'And everything would be all right again,' said Martha. "'Jane was looking at them as if she couldn't believe her ears. "'Has everyone in this family gone utterly and completely insane?' she cried. "'Don't you know why he's so interested in us and nice about things? "'Haven't you seen the way he and mother keep looking at each other? "'Do you want some old stepfather moving in here and changing everything?' "'The others looked surprised at this, but not really terribly shocked.' "'I should think he might make kind of an ideal one,' said Catherine. "'It's good for a growing boy, having a man around the house,' said Mark. "'I've always wished I had a father,' said Martha. "'Jane began to storm. "'Do you really think he could ever take father's place, him and his old beard? "'Don't you know what stepfathers always turn out to be like, once the fatal deed is done? "'Don't you remember Mr. Murdstone?' "'Oh!' she cried." "'glaring round at them all. "'It's no use. You don't understand. I wish—' "'She broke off in alarm, remembering the charm. "'Then, a prey to utter recklessness, "'she plunged her hand into her pocket, "'grasped the charm firmly, and went on. "'Yes, I do. I wish I belonged to some other family. "'I wish it twice.' "'Mark and Catherine and Martha gasped. This was the worst thing that had happened yet. They hardly dared look at Jane, for fear she might start turning into someone else before their eyes. But when they did look, there stood the same brown-haired, blue-eyed, snub-nosed Jane they had grown to know and love through the years. Nothing seemed to have happened. Maybe nothing had. Mark decided to find out. "'Look here, old Jane Ice,' he said." Putting his hand on her arm and using a pet name that was reserved for unusual serious moments, "You didn't mean it, did you?" "You let me go, you bully!" remarked a prim, ladylike voice none of the children had ever heard before in their lives. "You horrid big boy! I don't like boys, and I don't like you." "Oh!" cried Martha, turning pale. "She doesn't know us." "Of course she does," said Catherine. "'You know me, don't you, dear? Cassie, that you've been through thick and thin with.' "'No, I don't know you, and I don't wish to. "'Your frock is soiled,' said the voice, "'that to their horror seemed to be coming out of Jane. "'My mamma told me never to play with strange children.' "'Martha began to sniff. "'What an insanitary little girl,' said the voice. "'Tell her to use a handkerchief. "'She'll give me a germ.' "'Oh, what's the matter with her?' Martha's voice rose to a wail. "'It's not her fault,' Catherine said, trying to be reassuring for Martha's sake. "'It's the way she's been brought up, I suppose, by that other family she belongs to now. "'It does show what a good influence we've been, doesn't it? "'She was lots nicer under our tender care.' "'I don't believe it,' said Mark. "'She's just trying to fool us, aren't you, Jane Ice?' "'Don't call me that,' said the voice.' "'That's not my name.' "'All right, then,' said Mark, turning on her suddenly. "'If that isn't your name, what is?' The strange girl who looked like Jane, yet was Jane no longer, seemed startled for a moment, as if she weren't quite sure of the answer. Then her face cleared. "'My mother calls me her little comfort,' she said. Mark made a gagging noise. Catherine looked disgusted. "'To think one of us should have come to this,' she mourned. "'It would be an errand of mercy to put the poor thing out of her misery,' Mark agreed. "'She, who was no longer Jane, was staring around the room. "'I don't like this house,' she said. "'The furnishings are in poor taste. "'It is gaudy.' "'Her lower lip began to tremble. "'I want to go home.' "'Oh, you do, do you?' said Mark. "'Well, I can fix that. "'No sooner said than done.' "'and he made a dive for the pocket "'where he knew the charm lay concealed. "'But she, who was no longer Jane, "'pulled away and gave him a surprisingly hard slap "'for such a niminy piminy lady-like type. "'Take that!' she cried. "'You are a thief as well as a bully.' "'She glared round at them all. "'You are a lot of badly brought-up children. "'You kidnapped me and then tried to rob me. "'I'm going to tell my mother.' and with these words she flounced out into the hall and started down the stairs. By the time the others had recovered from their shock and dashed after her, she was in the act of mincing out the front door. Mark and Catherine took the stairs three at a time. Martha used the banister, but in the lower hall Miss Bick leaped forth and barred the way. "'No, you don't,' she said. "'Not a soul leaves this house until the table's set for lunch.' "'There was nothing the children could do about this, and nothing that they felt prepared to say. "'They didn't even point out that Jane had already left. "'As Catherine said afterwards, the way Jane was acting, right then she probably didn't have a soul. "'But never was table set with such wild abandon. "'Never did silver fly through the air with such great ease as it then flew.' "'Hardly more than one precious minute had been wasted in idle drudgery "'before Mark and Catherine and Martha rushed out the front door "'and down the steps onto the sidewalk "'and stood scanning the offing in all directions. "'Far down Maplewood Avenue "'they could just make out a genteel figure in Jane's dress, "'picking its way along and towing out "'in a way that the real Jane would have scorned to be seen doing in public. "'As they watched, the figure turned to the right,' "'into Virginia Street, and as they started to dash after it, "'a car drove up before the house, and Mr. Smith got out "'and held the door open for their mother. "'Company for lunch,' their mother called, "'blushing pink and looking embarrassed and pretty. "'Where's Jane?' "'The three children looked at each other, "'and then quickly looked away again. "'We don't know, exactly,' said Catherine.' "'We think she's visiting somebody over on Virginia Street,' said Mark, "'hoping that he spoke the truth, and that she, who was all that was left of Jane, had not strayed farther.' "'Well, go and get her,' said their mother, taking some interesting-looking packages from the car. "'This is a party.' The three children looked at the ground hopelessly. "'Or wait!' "'Their mother went on, not noticing. "'You all go in the car and pick her up. "'That'll be quicker. "'I'll be breaking the news to Miss Bick about the party.' "'And she started toward the house, "'her arms loaded with packages. "'Mark and Catherine and Martha waited till she was safely inside. "'Then they turned to Mr. Smith and all started to speak at once. "'Then they stopped and looked at each other again. "'Shall we tell him?' Catherine asked. "'Yes.' "'Mark nodded decisively. "'There comes a time in the affairs of men, and this is it.' "'I said we ought to all along,' said Martha. "'I said he'd know what to do. "'This'll prove it.' "'And she and Mark and Catherine all piled into the front seat of the car, "'and began telling Mr. Smith about the dread events of the morning. "'They didn't go into the reason for Jane's upset, though, "'or the way she felt about stepfathers, "'out of consideration for his feelings.' "'and Mr. Smith didn't waste time in unnecessary questions. "'Which proves,' said Mark to Catherine afterward, "'that he would make an ideal step and not murdstone at all. "'He started the motor, and the car shot down Maplewood "'and turned into Virginia Street. "'She who was no longer Jane was no longer to be seen. "'She must be in this block somewhere,' said Catherine. "'She hasn't had time to walk any farther.' "'What do we do now?' said Martha.' "'The question is moot,' said Mark. "'She could be in any one of these houses.' "'We could holler, fire, and everyone would come running out,' suggested Catherine. "'Let's not have any more fires or running,' Martha shuddered, remembering certain past experiences. "'Let's knock at all the doors and ask them if they want to subscribe to the Literary Digest.' "'That's no good,' said Mark, who had done this one summer to try to earn spending money. "'All they ever say is, no, and shut the door.' "'Martha turned to Mr. Smith. "'It's up to you,' she said trustingly. "'Mr. Smith looked pleased and touched. "'He also looked a little nervous, "'as though he were hoping he might live up to their trust. "'He cleared his throat. "Ah, "'Well,' he said, "'first of all, does any of these houses look like the kind of house "'the family of that kind of girl would live in?' "'Mark and Catherine and Martha stared up and down the block. "'Luckily it was a short one.' "'with only eight houses in it, four on each side of the street. "'Almost all the houses looked very much like their own, "'comfortable, slightly shabby, family sort of houses, "'with an easy-to-get-along-with lived-in look. "'All but one. "'The eighth house was made of cold-looking grey stone, "'and sat primly on an impossibly neat emerald lawn "'that was shut off from the street by a forbidding hedge of evergreens. "'A small sign on the lawn said, "'Please!' "'The walk to the front door was of bright blue gravel, "'edged with some boring plants that looked as though they had never blossomed, "'and didn't intend to. "'There were no croquet wickets on the lawn, "'and no bicycles or kiddie-cars sitting around, "'the way there were in front of most of the other houses. "'That's the one,' Mark was positive. "'It has to be. It looks just like her.' He and Catherine and Martha and Mr. Smith got out of the car and advanced stealthily up the street till they stood confronting the grey stone house. No one was in sight. From within came the sound of someone practicing a difficult piece upon the piano. "'That couldn't be Jane,' said Martha. "'She hates practice.' "'I bet she doesn't now,' said Mark. "'We'd better not let her see us,' said Catherine. "'She doesn't seem to like us very well any more.' "'If her new family is anything like her, I don't think they'll like us either,' said Mark. He turned to Mr. Smith. "'I guess it's still up to you, sir.' Mr. Smith cleared his throat nervously again. "'All right,' he said. "'I'll try.' So Mark and Catherine and Martha hid behind the evergreen hedge, and Mr. Smith, after checking to make sure that no tell-tale parts of them were exposed to the public gaze, "'squared his shoulders, and marched bravely up the blue gravel walk, "'and knocked on the front door with the imitation antique brass knocker. "'When she who was no longer Jane turned out of Maplewood into Virginia Street, "'she went straight to the, to the grey stone house and up the blue gravel walk, "'and in at the front door. "'After all, this was her house, and she belonged to this family now. She went in at the front door and up the front stairs to what was now her room. There were hand-woven curtains of a cold grey at the windows, and the walls were painted in the same colourless tint. There were no coloured pictures on the walls, only sepia prints of Sir Galahad and a lady called Hope. The bookshelves were full of heavy, instructive-looking books, and no toys or games, "'only a few sets of the helpful kind "'that show you how to weave linen "'and tool leather in six easy lessons. "'She who was no longer Jane "'sat down on an uncomfortable imitation antique chair "'and began looking at one of the instructive books. "'She did this as though it were perfectly natural "'and as though she'd been doing nothing else for years, "'but all the same, deep down inside her, "'she felt strangely empty and uncomfortable.' "'as though she didn't belong in this prim-gray room at all. "'After a bit, deciding she didn't feel like being instructed just now, "'she put down the book, and took a round, shining object from her pocket. "'She sat staring at it for a long while. "'In a dim way her mind connected it with the empty, uncomfortable feeling "'that seemed to hang over her, "'but she couldn't remember why the shiny thing made her feel lonely and unhappy.' Of course, the trouble was that when she wished to belong to another family, she hadn't said a thing about not being Jane any longer, and so she had become the girl Jane would have been if she had been brought up in this cold, grey house. But down inside her somewhere, the real Jane was still struggling to exist. This is called heredity versus environment, and it is quite a struggle. After she had been sitting by herself or by her two selves, for a few minutes, a lady appeared in the door. She was dressed in a gown of sober grey wool. "'Why, here you are!' she cried. "'Mother has been worried. She couldn't find her little comfort anywhere.' "'I was playing,' said she who was now part Jane and part Mother's little comfort. "'Only from now on I think it will save time if we just think of her as she.' "'Where were you playing?' said the grey lady. "'You weren't in the solarium, and you weren't in the patio.' "'I was around the corner. I was playing with some children.' "'But we don't know anyone around the corner,' said the grey lady in alarm. "'Mother wants you to have fresh air and exercise, of course, "'but one can't be too careful about speaking to strangers. "'Were they nice children?' She hesitated. "'You wouldn't like them.' "'She said, finally, hanging her head "'and looking closer at the round, shining thing in her hand. "'Really, Comfort, you are not behaving like yourself today,' "'said the lady reproachfully. "'I know it,' said she, unhappily. "'Haven't I told you always to look at me "'when I am speaking to you?' the lady went on. "'What is that you have in your hand?' "'I don't know. I found it.' "'Let me see,' said the lady.' "'She took the shining thing in her own hand. "'But this is very interesting. "'It seems to be some kind of ancient talisman. "'See, there is writing on it, but I don't recognize the language. "'It is not Greek or Latin. "'Probably it is Sanskrit. "'Father will translate it for us when he comes home. "'And now how would you like to take a nice nap until dinner-time?' "'Jane and Mark and Catherine and Martha "'had all scorned naps for years,' and the small remnant of Jane that was still there somewhere, buried under the layers of little comfort, rose to the surface. "'I wouldn't like it at all,' she said. "'But you always have a nap at this hour,' cried the lady. "'Do I?' said she, her heart sinking. "'Couldn't I dig some worms and go fishing instead?' The lady looked shocked. "'Why, comfort! You know fishing is cruel, except when necessary to provide food, and we are all vegetarians here.' "'Build a block-fort and have a war with toy-soldiers?' suggested she faintly. "'Why, comfort!' cried the lady again. "'There are no toy-soldiers in this house. They are symbols of world militarism, and not suitable playthings.' "'I can't think what has come over you to-day. "'It must be the influence of those bad children. "'No, let us go down to the drawing-room "'and put this ancient talisman in the curio-cabinet, "'and then you can practice your new piece till father comes.' "'The remnant of Jane that still existed "'didn't like seeing the round shining thing "'go out of her possession at all, "'and she didn't much want to practice a new piece either.' "'and she had her doubts about a house in which naps were taken, "'and bright colours were shunned, "'and things that were ordinary and fun "'were made to seem ugly and wicked. "'But she dejectedly followed the grey lady out of the room "'and down the stairway into the drawing-room, "'which was large and cold and grey, "'and took her seat on the piano-stool. "'And it turned out that practising on the piano, "'which was always sheer torment to Jane in the past, "'was a mere cinch now. "'She played away primly and perfectly, "'while the grey lady sat in a stiff chair of carved oak "'and looked at a magazine called The Outlook. "'This went on for what seemed like years, "'and the last trace of Jane was just beginning to think "'it might as well die away forever, "'when there was an interruption. "'Someone knocked at the front door. "'Who could that be?' said the lady. "'Father would use his key, and we never have visitors here.' "'I bet you don't,' thought the small spark of Jane, with a last flicker of life. "'The lady went to the front door and opened it. "'A rather small gentleman stood outside. "'He wore a pointed beard and a nervous expression. "'Good afternoon, madam,' he said, putting one hand behind his back "'as though he were crossing his fingers, which he was. "'I am writing a book on child psychology, "'and I hear you have a very intelligent daughter. "'I wonder if I might interview her.' "'How interesting!' cried the lady. "'I have made a life study of child psychology myself.' "'You have?' said the small gentleman, looking more nervous. "'Yes. What method do you follow, the Schwartz-Metterklum or the Brontissori?' "'The small gentleman looked as if he wished he were somewhere else. "'I have my own method,' he said. "'You wouldn't have heard of it.' "'But how interesting!' cried the lady. "'You must come in and tell me all about it.' And she led the small gentleman through the grey hall into the grey drawing-room. Outside Catherine leaned out from her evergreen hiding-place. "'Psst!' she said. "'Come on!' said Mark from behind his. And, followed by Martha, they crossed the emerald lawn and mounted the front steps of the house.' "'The lady had left the front door ajar in her excitement, "'and standing in the hallway the children could hear "'everything that happened in the drawing-room perfectly. "'Of course we wouldn't want any publicity,' the lady was saying. "'You won't use her real name in the book, will you?' "'Naturally not,' said the voice of Mr. Smith, "'for, of course, the small gentleman was he. "'I shall call her chapter The Jane Case.' "'Mark and Catherine and Martha heard a gasp, "'as though the name had meant something to someone in the room. "'Unless, of course, that is her name,' Mr. Smith's voice went on. "'Oh, no,' said the voice of the lady. "'We call her Comfort, but her name is Iphigenia.' If a what said Catherine to Mark in the front doorway. "'Shush!' said Mark to Catherine. "'I see,' came the voice of Mr. Smith from the drawing-room. "'How do you do, Iphigenia? Do you believe in magic?' "'Oh, no!' came the voice of the lady, before she could answer. "'I'm afraid your method is a bit old-fashioned. If "'Iphigenia has never believed in magic, or anything else untrue.' "'How sad for her!' said the voice of Mr. Smith. "'However, what are her interests? "'Does she collect anything, perhaps?' "'Why, yes!' said the lady, before she could answer again. "'She collects objects of art.' Only this afternoon she brought home a rare old talisman. In the doorway Martha pinched Catherine. "'The charm!' she hissed. "'Shush!' Catherine hissed back. "'You don't say!' Mr. Smith's voice sounded excited. "'I wonder if I might see it for a moment.' "'I don't see why not,' came the voice of the lady. Her footsteps could be heard crossing the room, and the suspense was more than Mark and Catherine and Martha could bear. "'They moved across the hall to see what was happening. "'The floor of the hall was highly polished, "'and there were some little grey hand-hooked rugs scattered about on it. "'Martha tripped on one of the rugs, slipped on the floor, "'and fell into the drawing-room with a crash, "'just as the lady was turning from the curio cabinet with the charm in her hand, "'and Mr. Smith was reaching out his own eager hand to take it. "'Mark and Catherine followed Martha into the room. "'Hello!' "'said she, smiling at them. "'After half an hour in the grey house, "'she liked their looks better than she had at their last meeting. "'She turned to the grey lady. "'These are the children I was playing with this afternoon.' "'Well, I'm afraid they are very rude children,' said the lady, "'recovering from her surprise. "'She looked at Mark and Catherine and Martha sternly. "'In this house we don't walk in the front door without being asked. "'I think you had better go home at once.' "'Iphigenia doesn't want to see you.' "'Oh, yes, she does. "'If she only knew it,' said Mark bravely, advancing into the room, "'let me take that charm a minute, and I'll prove it. "'It belongs to us anyway.' "'If you mean this rare old Sanskrit talisman,' said the lady, "'it certainly does not. "'It belongs to my Iphigenia.' "'She's not yours. "'She's ours,' said Martha, getting up from the floor. "'Her name isn't what you said. "'It's Jane,' said Catherine.' "'She doesn't live here. She lives over on Maplewood,' said Mark. "'Not another word,' said the lady. "'Such awful fibbing I never heard. "'You are either the worst brought-up children I have ever seen, "'or you are all mentally unbalanced. "'I'm afraid I shall have to telephone your parents.' "'No, don't do that,' said Mr. Smith, coming forward anxiously. "'I'm afraid this is all my fault. "'I'm afraid I asked these children to come. "'Just a little experiment, you know, all part of my method.' "'Then I don't think much of it,' said the lady, getting really cross. "'I don't believe you are a child psychologist at all, "'or if you are, you shouldn't be allowed to be. "'I shall write to the psychology journal and complain.' "'Very well, you're right, I'm not,' said Mr. Smith, giving up. "'But don't be alarmed. I can explain everything. "'Only it's a long story, so if you'd just let me have that charm.' "'So that's it!' cried the lady. "'I see it all now. It's a plot.' "'coming here pretending to be writing a book, "'and all the time trying to steal our art treasures, "'for shame taking advantage of these unfortunate children. "'No, no,' said Mr. Smith, becoming agitated. "'This is all a mistake. "'That little girl isn't who you think she is at all.' "'You wouldn't like her if you got to know her,' "'put in Catherine earnestly. "'You would find her a wolf in sheep's clothing.' "'She's my sister, only she has what you columns,' said Mark." "'Hallucinations,' explained Mr. Smith. "'We want to take her where they'll be kind to her,' said Martha. "'Jane, Jane, come on home, out of this cold, slippery house.' The remnant of Jane, down in the heart of Iphigenia, heard Martha's call. She thought how much happier she felt with Martha and Mark and Catherine, yes, and Mr. Smith, too, than she did with the Grey Lady. She remembered her own home and her own family, and wished she belonged to them again.' "'She yearned to answer Martha, "'and she made a great effort "'and forced her way to the surface "'and started to speak. "'But before she could "'there was an interruption. "'A thin grey gentleman "'appeared in the drawing-room. "'Yarworth, here you are at last!' "'cried the grey lady. "'This criminal, "'aided by these delinquent children, "'was trying to rob our Iphigenia.' "'Dear me!' said the grey gentleman, "'retreating slightly. "'Are you sure?' "'Don't just stand there,' cried the lady. "'Defend us! What will Iphigenia think of her father?' "'What Iphigenia would have thought of her father will probably never be known, "'for at that moment Mr. Smith, having had quite enough of both Iphigenia and her parents, "'decided to act. "'I'm sorry to appear rude, madam, but you'll be glad of it afterwards,' he said. "'At least I hope so.' and he snatched the charm from the lady's hand, took a deep breath, and wished that Jane might be twice as much Jane as she ever was. Jane, finding herself suddenly herself again, gave a glad cry and ran, much to the surprise of Mark and Catherine and Martha, straight to Mr. Smith. "'You were wonderful,' she said. "'Part of me was here all along, hoping you'd save me, and you did. You were wonderful!' "'It was nothing,' said Mr. Smith modestly. "'We told you so,' said Mark and Catherine to Jane. "'They had run to Mr. Smith, too, and so had Martha, and now the five of them stood united, looking defiantly at the grey lady and the grey gentleman.' "'The lady was blinking her eyes. The gentleman was rubbing his. They looked rather like two people who have just awakened from a nightmare.' "'What is the meaning of this intrusion?' demanded the grey lady. "'What are you doing in our house? Go away at once.' "'This isn't your little girl, then?' asked Mr. Smith, with his arm around Jane. The lady looked at Jane with distaste. "'I never saw the horrid little thing before in my life.' "'You don't even have a little girl, perhaps?' went on Mr. Smith." "'Certainly not,' the lady said, thankfully. "'So noisy and tiresome and such a strain.' "'Then if we take her away with us, "'it will be quite all right with you.' "'If you don't all leave this house at once, "'my husband will take steps, won't you, Yarworth?' "'said the grey lady.' "'The grey gentleman took a step backwards in alarm. "'He did not reply. "'Thank you, madam. "'That's all I wanted to know,' said Mr. Smith. "'And bowing politely,' "'he touched the charm and made another wish. "'Of course, if he had asked the four children's advice, "'they could have told him how to word his second wish much better. "'As it was, being new to magic, "'he didn't put in any of the things experience had taught them, "'like not being gone too long and arriving back in a normal way, "'and their mothers not noticing anything out of the ordinary. "'He just wished they were twice as far as home again.' And so, a split second later, when the children's mother came into the living room and it was empty, and then suddenly Mr. Smith and the four children were all sitting around it in chairs, she was more than a bit surprised. "'How funny!' she said. "'I didn't see you sitting there. I didn't hear a car drive up either.' She glanced out of the window, and it was then that Mr. Smith remembered that his car was still sitting back on Virginia Street, where he'd parked it, what seemed like ages ago." He touched the charm in his pocket and made a quick wish, but not quick enough. When the children's mother looked from the window, first she saw the empty street. Then suddenly the car was sitting there. She put her hand to her head and sat down suddenly. "'I really must go to the doctor about my eyes,' she said. "'I keep thinking I see the strangest things.' "'It's the sun,' said Mr. Smith. "'It's awfully strong today." "'I've been thinking I saw some awfully strange things this morning, too, over on Virginia Street,' said Mark daringly, with a wink at Mr. Smith and Jane. Martha giggled. "'Luncheon is served,' said Miss Bick sourly from the doorway, and they all trooped in to where the festive board groaned. The luncheon-party was a great success with the four children, but their mother seemed a bit worried and preoccupied, and kept putting her hand to her forehead as if she were trying to puzzle something out, and this seemed to make Mr. Smith a bit worried, too. The spirits of the children were so very high, however, that their mother couldn't stay upset for long, and the behaviour of Jane, in particular, was enough to warm any mother's faltering heart.' She was so unselfish about second helpings, so eager to pass things without being asked, so tireless in her efforts not to accept the last extra butterscotch tart, lying luscious under its whipped cream, but to bestow it on a friend or relation, so anxious generally to show how much she loved this family above all others, that no one could believe it was the usual good old hasty hot-tempered Jane who sat there among them. "'That charm certainly does improve people, once they've been through the mill of it,' Catherine whispered to Mark. "'Whispers at the table shall breakfast in the stable,' said their mother. "'Cath was only saying Jane certainly was full of charm this morning,' said Mark, with another daring wink at the others. "'Yes, you'd almost think she were a different person,' said Catherine, equally daring. Martha giggled. "'So, I regret to say, did Mr. Smith—' "'What's the joke?' said the children's mother. "'Oh, nothing,' said the four children. "'I'm just feeling happy,' said Mr. Smith. "'This is a treat for me. "'I live all alone, you know, and it's years since I've been to a family party like this.' Jane looked round the room, at the coloured pictures on the lemon-yellow walls, and the gay-printed curtains at the window, and the bright rugs on the floor, and the smiling faces around the table. This is a wonderful family to belong to, she said. It's the best family to belong to in the whole world. Then she smiled at Mr. Smith. I think you're going to think so, too, she said. And that's the end of Chapter 6. See you next time.